Brian Winhurst and the Hoop Collective is presented by YouTube TV. Try it free today at youtube.com slash NBA 23. New users only. Terms apply. Cancel anytime. Hello, welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Friday morning about 1 a.m. Just after the Celtics pulled the series to 3-2 with a 13-point win here in Boston. From across the street, TD Garden, where I just left, is Tim Bontemps. So, McMahon, we're sitting on press row at halftime today. This kid comes over and goes, is that Brian Windhorse? Is that really him? I said, yeah, it is Brian Windhorse. He goes, wow, I'm bleeping, tripping my balls off right now. That was that was the <laughs> highlight of the day today. Not not anything else. It was that. Memorial Day weekend started early. Quite a moment. In Boston. <laughs> Joining us from Dallas, Texas, where he's just relaxing and maxing. He doesn't care about this playoff series. Everything's going just fine. He's got a nice, cushy home stretch. Ben McMahon. Howdy, partners. Hey, we playing my theme song? Folks have missed it. Baddest dude <laughs> in all the land. Let me hear it. Let me hear it. Uh, I do care. Kayvon actually, Kayvon has actually announced that she was glad the theme song went away. She was tired of hearing it. She told me that today, uh, prompted. Haters going to hate, 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 just like Taylor Swift told us about. Um, <laughs> I care about this series because I, I need to know, do I need to rearrange my travel plans for the finals? I still do not believe that I, I will. I When Jimmy Butler tells me they're winning the next game, I still believe him. He let me down tonight, but I still believe him. Um but we'll see. The Celtics have managed to make a series out of this thing. Well, Jimmy was very confident. He said several times over that they'll win the next game, which is what you'd expect. Jalen Brown said, um, "Well, you know, I think we're going to win the next two. Or he said some he said sort of next, quasi. He said the next two games will be fun. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's what he said. It was a quasi guarantee. Ooh, ooh du- dueling guarantees. Ooh. Right. But I'm just going to say that, um, you know, being around the heat tonight, I would say this is this felt like the first time they they realized they don't have total control of the series. Now I'm I'm sure that Heat fans would would snap back and go, "Well, we're up three two, we're going home. How could you mm-hmm. say we don't have control?" Yeah, if you win one more game, you uh, you you go into the finals and you still have a great opportunity to do that. But I would say that the Heat now realize they're going to have to do some you know make some changes and change their approach a little bit. Uh, the what's going, what's happening right now, what's what, what, the, the status quo is not going to get it done. They're going to have to make I, some changes. I, I think the biggest change they need to make is Gabe Vincent's ankle needs to heal. Well, that's part of it. But the last two games, even with Vincent in game four, the Celtics got back to the defensive intensity that they have had when they've been at their best. And it's easy to look at the three point shooting, <laughs> by the way, McMahon, mm-hmm. it was funny. It was funny tonight. You know, Bontemps has been on this 40% stat since it was like 10 and one, you know, he's been on it for months. And mm-hmm. so, you know, the Celtics are just ripping the nets on threes from the outset. He's got his story. That's going to go up on ESPN.com shortly after the game, like all set up there. And it's, you know, it mentions that they're going to 38 and two when they shoot 40% and they get into garbage time and Ooh. they start tossing up threes like, you know, Peyton Pritchard and Sam Hauser are tossing up these threes and they miss mm-hmm. and it slips to 39.5%. And he's Uh-oh. like, damn it. You know, because, you know, even though it, you know, they shot 40% when it mattered, you know, the, the, uh, the, stat the actually stat. Yeah. And I go, 39.5, just round it to 40. You're fine. He goes, no, you can't do that. So there must have been some other times when he didn't round it up. And then with 51 seconds left, Sam Hauser, who's the hero of Bontemps uh, <laughs> world tonight, Sam Hauser nails a 28 footer. And when that thing was in the air, we were, we were just watching it come down. It was like in slow motion. Also, by the way, it was a 10 point game, I think at that point. And, you know, there was, you know, a couple of possessions left and had the heat had he missed it and he got the rebound and went down and scored, it would have been inside the cover line. Yeah, line was eight and a half. That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. So that ball All going right. in saved Bontemps stat and also well, saved it saved yeah. the cover. Saved Bontemps and a bunch of other degenerates. That's true. <laughs> That's true. So yeah. So anyway, um, 
so they did make a bunch of threes tonight, and obviously that's a huge factor in the way they play. But what you what you look at in this series, after getting 128 points slapped on them in Game mm. Three, the last two games, the Celtics given up 97 and 99 points. Yeah, yeah. And ben, I mean, they, they played they played with so much more force the past couple of games. It was apparent from basically the opening tip, both games. And Bam Adebayo has averaged 13 points over the last three games. And he had a good third quarter tonight that's that boosted his numbers. But tonight he had 16. And I think he had, what did he have in the first half, Tim? Uh, it, it, was ugly. it was ugly. Uh, did he have more turnovers than, than buckets in the first half? It, it, it was, was a bad, bad, ugly first half for him. They are, they are a lot, crowd, a lot like the Celtics, Yeah, they're crowding him. Like the, a lot like the Celtics. When Bam Adebayo is playing really well in offense, it's a game changer. You know, Al Horford and Bam Adebayo are such critical pieces. Obviously, they're both great mm-hmm. players of their teams. But when they're playing well offensively, it really totally changes the dynamic for both teams. And Bam was completely out of, out of the game when it mattered today. Um, and the Celtics just, from the opening tip, they just played with a completely different level of force than they have really for most of the playoffs last two games they had 16 turnover four 16 turnovers turned into 27 points in both games they were flying around marcus smart looked like the defensive player of the year again he had one of maybe probably his best game of the whole season at both ends of the court with the way he was impacting the game even better than game six against philly when he was probably the best player in the court in that game um and yeah this i mean the celtics this is what the celtics do where everybody counts them out they turn around and play the other way. You know, I've been joking with Brian since the third quarter of game four, that the Heat are going to win the series in seven games. And just the most funny fitting outcome for this screwy Celtics team that they'll get this thing right to the brink of making history. And then Jimmy Butler will snatch it away at the end. Well, they need Jimmy to, to the Heat need Jimmy Butler to get back to being the guy that he's been for most That's of the playoffs. Correct. If he's not the best player on the court, they're probably not going to win the game. And I mean, he clearly has not been in the last couple of games. And tonight was just like, he just wasn't an impactful player whatsoever in tonight's game. Um, you know, obviously they got down early, uh, but even like how many times have the heat, what, what's the stat, Wendy? I think they were at one point six and two in, in games that they were down 10 plus. Um, they were they six never, and two the last before. Yeah. Uh, before these last couple, right? Yeah, right. And but but they never like honestly. This game sucked. <laughs> I mean, there was never really any doubt. Well, I got to tell you, the first the first five minutes was the crowd was mm-hmm. just really into it because the the uh, Celtics were giving them what they wanted. But you're right, Jimmy Butler. So he, she, she, you know his numbers don't look terrible. But he shot nine of twenty one in Game Four, which is okay, but not Jimmy's best because efficiency is, you know, where he's, you know, can really thrive. And then tonight, you know, he scored 14 points. Now granted, I got 10 shots up, right? Spolstra did pull his, he did play in the first, maybe three minutes of the fourth quarter and then pulled them. Um, he, he played 34 minutes and got 10 shots, 14, five and five worst plus minus in the game at a minus 24. Um, I mean, I'm sure he'd be the first one to tell you, he's got to, he's got to be a hell of a lot better than that. For the heat to close this thing out. Yeah. Well, and, and, so, and Kyle Lowry and Max Struess going to combine three for 10 from the field and basically being both of them being complete non factors. Mm-hmm. It's another massive, like Miami's got to get more from Kyle, especially with Gabe Vincent being banged up. And even if Gabe Vincent's back in game six, I think we all agree he ain't going to be 100%. So, you know, they're going to need Kyle to deliver more than he did in this game when he really was just a, a zero for the most part. Well, Struess and Struess is, you know, he's a role player. He may not do it every night. I mean, Duncan Robinson had 18 points and nine assists in this game. Mm. If you're getting the sort of the double production between Struess and Duncan, it's by the way, Duncan Robinson looks terrific. Holy Moses. He looked like a different player than he did even four months ago. I mean, he's putting the ball on the floor. He's, he's create, he's distributing, he's creating, man. I mean, he is Miami shot. Yeah, the wild thing about this game is Miami shot 51% from the field. They shot 39% from three, even though it wasn't a ton of attempts. Haywood Highsmith had 15 points and great shooting off the bench. Duncan played great Mm -hmm. off the bench. Like, they didn't overall play a bad game, but the numbers just don't reflect the way Boston played defensively. They're just just, just was a totally different look team. 
And, and it's real simple. You cannot be outscored by 21 from the three-point line, by six at the free throw line, and then have seven more turnovers and win a game. Like, yeah, the, 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 the Boston pressure, call, I, mean, I mean, I think, I think Miami my- had five turnovers in the first six minutes. Mm-hmm. And so when they did take shots, they made a good percentage, but they they didn't have enough shots, quite frankly. So I'm not, you know, Struess is in, is going to go up and down. You know, Struess and Robinson are probably going to produce roughly the same on average when they're combined. I'm if I'm the Heat, I'm more worried about Butler and Adebayo getting going, particularly Adebayo, who they're just really crowding them. They're going to have to find some space. And 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 Bam said after the game that. You know they'll look at the film and find ways to to they'll they'll, they'll try to have to figure this out and this is you know this is where Eric Spolstra excels, he excels mm-hmm. in inter um, inter series um, you know moves, but the other thing is in addition to the defense being impressive, I think the Celtics you know now five games in are finding some level what they have to do to deal with the Heat zone. And basically, you've got to just throw a lot of passes. You got to move faster than them. And uh, now it would be very Boston of them to be completely lethargic in game six, but they played with such more pace that they were able to pass their pass the ball through the heat zone. And they were able to repeatedly get the ball to open three-point shooters, and they made them. Marcus Smart was at the end of the string of passes a number of times. He made them. Derek White was at the end of the string of passes mm-hmm. a number of times. Derek White is having a terrific shooting series. Um, and even Jalen Brown, who came in 3 of 25 from three-point range, um, was able to hit some threes. Um, Despite so, the fact that his first one was an air ball. <laughs> yeah, he was 3 of 25, and then his first – one from like 23 feet went 21 and a half feet. It was, it was a then, little then, bit. And then he started uh, knocking them down after that. Yeah. 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 So I feel like I respect that the heat will go home and play better, mm-hmm. but I think that the Celtics um, have rediscovered some of the rhythm that they played with for four months when they had the best record in the league. And I am not going to sit here and say that they're going to keep it up. But I'm here to tell you that we got a series now because, because Miami has now got to hit back. They, they, you know, they are not going to be able to rest on the way that they played the first three games and think it's going to happen. They are going to have to improve their play and not just with like playing harder and hitting some more shots. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to make some strategic moves uh, to deal with what, with what Boston has. And, you know, Bontemps, I, I recognize that and one of the things Eric Spolstra said is that, you know, uh, one game doesn't drag into the other that, um, uh, you know, he said, you know, we crushed them in, in game three, put, you know, put up 128, beat them by 25 or whatever it was. And it didn't make any difference. We started, you know, game four and we lost. That's true. That's true. That one thing, one, you know, it's not like the heat get to care the Celtics get to carry over the extra points to, to game six, but there is something that happens in playoff series sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes mm. what well, is the tipping point? I don't know if we've reached that. It very easily could be Miami pushing back, but there you'd be crazy bond temps to watch these last two games and not recognize the subtraction that the Celtics are getting. Well, this is why the Celtics are such a maddening team, right? Because the Celtics have the most talented team left in the playoffs, and they're clearly a more talented team than Oh, boy, you're, you're, you're getting the Denver fans but, all up well, in arms. They're just sitting well, here no, listening. Well, no, but listen, but this is the thing. The Celtics have had more talent than everybody all season. The thing about them is that they are maddeningly inconsistent. That's why they're now 11-11 and 11 at home over the past two years in the, in the playoffs. And it's why they're 13 and seven on the road because they've had to win all these road games to advance because they've been so damn bad at home to the point where their crowd here is constantly ready to boo them and thinking that they're going to implode and lose games like they did the first two games of this series when they controlled most of the games and had a bad eight minute stretch at home in both of them and collapsed and lost because they just, they, you know, turn on and off. The first thing Jalen Brown said when he walked in after the game was we played a full 48 minute game. And the Celtics just basically never do play a full 48-minute game. That's why 
they're in the position they're in. And it's why they played a full they, forty two minute game and then they sacked them. They put they benched yes. everybody. Right. The last game. <laughs> right. They played they, they played they packed forty eight minutes worth of work into forty two minutes. But it's like you said, it's like we talked about after game four. If there's ever going to be a team to come back from down 0-3, it's going to be a team like the Celtics, a team that has the kind of firepower that they do, that has two home games left at that point, and can turn things around in their favor if they start to play well and play the way they're capable of. And we've seen over the past two games, Boston has played the way they're capable of. And by the way, the Celtics have won four straight road playoff elimination games over the past two years. When they have been in these situations, time and again, they have delivered. Did it in Miami last year in game seven. So I actually feel more confident. And I said, we talked about this before the game at dinner. I felt more confident about Boston winning a game six in Miami than winning today or winning game seven. Because if the game is close late at home, they're going to get tense and they're going to tighten up. And Jimmy Butler is going to have a chance to take over. So they feel super confident now. They're loose. They're feeling great. They're out in open space. They're hitting threes again. They're flying around on defense. And Saturday is going to be awfully interesting because you know that the Heat are going to bring it on Saturday. We were talking about with Fredell and Press Row. Jimmy Butler very well may play the whole game on Saturday and lay it out there. And he could have a 45-point game. But if the Celtics play the way they have the last two games, they're going to be really, really tough for Miami to beat because this is when they play like this, you know, especially when they're hitting threes, like, like you said, they're now 38 and two and they hit 40% of their threes. If they hit threes, they're pretty much impossible to beat. Yeah. And you know, the great comeback series that of course I covered was the 2016 finals. Mm-hmm. And there were two things that happened in the 2016 finals that, that greatly influenced the outcome. One was the Draymond Green suspension. And the other was, and this is even bigger than the Draymond suspension, was the Bogut injury. In other words, the Cavs, you know, played really, really well. They had LeBron top of his game, Kyrie playing great, but they did but need they a little help. bit. They needed a little bit of intangible, not intangible, but stuff that was out of their control. And you know, watching Kyle Lowry struggle tonight, and um, you know, I'm not sure if I was Eric Spolstra, I would seriously think about starting Haywood. Um, Highsmith, which is kind of crazy to say because the guy hadn't played the entire series. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did perform very well, but if, if Vincent can't go or he's limited, they may have kept to consider going that route. And I'm just saying there's like, you know, it takes that little something to happen to, to, you know, that it was a freak, such a freak injury too. Like he, he sprained his own ankle, you know, and, yeah. um, you know, that just that those little margins can make a difference. And, you know, I'm, I'm totally cognizant as I'm saying these words that Miami could dominate on Saturday. I mean, it definitely could happen, but I mean, when you look at the formula that would take to win, to make a comeback like this, you need certain things to, to take place. And one of them is probably some sort of unforeseen injury and not that Gabe Vincent is headed for the hall of fame, but with where the heat are with their guard play with the injuries to Oladipo and hero, they don't really can't really afford to lose another guy, especially a guy in Gabe Vincent who was playing some of the best basketball of his career. I mean, he was shooting 58% in this series when he went down. Um, Yeah. Sure. I'm sure he'll try to play, but I don't know what he's going to be able to get. And I'm sure Celtics fans right now are screaming, Hey, what, what about Malcolm Brogdon's injury? You know, the, the guy can't shoot the ball. Uh, has played right. fewer and fewer minutes as the series gone on, and so yeah, you know that's a, a, a fair point. Um, the difference is the Celtics have Grant Williams, who they can just play four minutes, and they have Derek White, who they can just play four minutes. Like they are just right. this is where the Celtics' depth really comes to the fore. Like one thing I'm sure Miami's going to do in Game Six is Caleb Martin's going to start for Kevin Love. I would have probably done that today in Game Five. But Caleb Martin has been probably Miami's second best player over the course of the series. He had another solid game tonight off the bench. I, I would think he's going to play for Kevin on Saturday and play a ton of minutes. And Haywood Highsmith had a nice game today. If Gabe Vincent can't go on Saturday, the, the Heat are going to turn to Kyle Lowry again. And Kyle Lowry just needs to play better. I mean, he's right. played great throughout these playoffs. He's had a couple duds in a row. But remember, everybody remembers – how Jimmy Butler played in game six here last year to get that series Mm -hmm. to a game seven in Miami. But the heat won that game because Jimmy Butler was great. And Kyle Lowry was great. Kyle had a huge game six 
the two of those guys carried them home. And Lowry had some huge games in these playoffs. And look, the Heat are going to need to go home and they're going to have to have Jimmy play great. Because like you said, Big Man, he's really been invisible, invisible by his standards the past couple games. And they got to hit shots and they got to hit threes. Like nine for 23, that, that to me has been the biggest adjustment for Boston with the, with the force they're playing with and the way they're getting out to the three-point line. Like if Boston's getting up 43s and holding the heat to 24, that is exactly how the Celtics want to play. Early in the series, mm-hmm. they were not getting up a lot of three-point attempts. And Joe Mazzulla's whole thing all year has been you want to win the three-point attempt battle. That's the number one thing you win in today's NBA. The Celtics have gotten back to that the last couple of games, and it, it's completely flipped the series around in terms of how they're approaching the games. Eric Spolster was asked about lineup changes after the game, and he pretended like he didn't know what the what a lineup was. <laughs> so uh, I, suspect will, like, I suspect there will be at least one. He says he acted like he hadn't thought one second in his whole not, coaching not a career. Bit. Right. So, but you know, he shouldn't give it away. But I'm just, you know, just saying it was. Classic Pull, pulling the plug on Lowry would be pretty extreme, but I will say a it's 37... not pulling the plug on him. It's putting him back in the role where he was thriving, which is coming okay. off the bench. Okay. Well, he also had a bad game four. He just has to play better. I, I yeah. mean, he didn't even play a ton of minutes today. He just, he just wasn't good enough. He needs to be better. And the biggest thing is like McMahon said, if Jimmy Butler's not the best player on the court, the heat are in trouble. Like he's no, got to be the best winning. player on the court. No, he's got to be the dominant orchestrator that he's been when they're at their best. And he very well may come out and do that on Saturday. But if he doesn't do it, then then you're getting into territory where they got to bomb a ton of threes and they got to have a lot of stuff to go right. Well, he, he's got to be the best. And, and, and Bam at least has to be one of the top three or four. Yeah, like, Bam. Bam is such a bellwether. Yeah, and again, the – his box score line isn't great, but it's prettier than his performance tonight. Like he, I know at one point he was three of ten. So okay, he made some shots in the third quarter, and the game was out of hand. It was a rough one for him tonight. Yeah, he had three. He was three for ten for six points, and then he hit five. Basically, scored five straight buckets in the third quarter. Like you said, when they were basically down twenty, and they were just trading baskets late in the third. But like when Bam is invisible, like they're there, he's a huge swing piece for their team. When he's playing great, he are a totally different team. And when he's mm. sort of like this and he's kind of floating around, their offense just isn't nearly the same because they don't have that many dynamic guys with the ball. And Bam's playing great. Like in game two, when he had eight points, eight rebounds and four assists in the fourth quarter, like for as great as Jimmy was down the stretch, it was also Bam getting offensive rebounds, getting on the glass, you know, bringing the ball up, making plays. Like he can be such a dynamic presence for them that, you know, when he's not, it just really switches how they look. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. Driving without a seatbelt could cost you everything. But despite that, there are still drivers on the road who just won't buckle up. Some of those drivers will be pulled over and given expensive tickets by law enforcement. Some of those drivers not wearing their seatbelts will be involved in crashes. Some will survive, but some won't. Wearing your seatbelt could be the difference between making it home to your loved ones and not making it at all. Every day when you get in your vehicle and decide whether to buckle up, remember, that's the single most effective way to protect your life in the event of a crash. Make it home safely to the people you care about. Don't risk it, click it, or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. They call it running a business for a reason, because every day feels like a sprint to the finish. It takes a lot of work to make it all work. But with Clover and Merchant One, you're always a step ahead. Now is the perfect time to upgrade your point-of-sale technology. We make it easy to accept payments, run your entire business, and sell more. Clover plus Merchant One, better business solutions. Go to clover.com slash M1 to get started. I also want to say that Joe Mazzula has acquitted himself very well uh, designing uh, some schemes to get back in this and, and motivating his players to play. If you're going to attack him as people have and... Mm. You know, when rightfully when the, so, rightfully so. <laughs> that was quite a moment in the last round. Um, Marcus Smart was like, uh, I was in Philly after they won game six to stay alive. And he, Marcus Smart said something like, um, he's taken some criticism and rightfully so. <laughs> uh, it's funny. Um, but if you're going to criticize him when the team plays flat and, you know, you know, sort of charge him with, the team not being motivated to play. Well, then when they do play with incredible energy 
uh, and aggression like they did in this game, and then he has to be credited. It, it's just fair. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, one of the, you know they very well might lose this series. It's 150 and 0 in, in against them. Um, but the way they've rallied behind him and the way the changes he's made, particularly he made changes to starting lineup, um, may have changed the rotation to put Grant Williams in, in ahead of Brogdon more. Brogdon's elbow issue may have contributed to that, but um, his his moves have worked. And so um, I think uh, back from the danger zone of you know whatever might have been with him, I, I would suspect, even mm-hmm. if they lose the series. I don't know how you feel, Bontemps, but I feel like he's had a good, a good three days. The Celtics were second in offense and second in defense this year. The last team to do that was the KD Warriors his first season. This guy did a really good job this season, and, and I think he's acquitted himself really well in the last couple of games. And like you said, I'm glad he's gotten some credit because obviously there were things you could criticize about what he was doing. I also think a lot of it was his team was sleepwalking through games, which this team has done repeatedly the past three years with three different coaches. They're the perfect control group for, is it the coach or the players? Well, the players are doing the same thing over and over again. It's probably a lot of the players. And we've seen the last couple of games, they've definitely made some good stylistic adjustments. Joe, in particular, in game four, made some really smart tactical moves during the game. But this team has also just shown a lot more fight, and they've gotten back to being the good version of the Celtics. They're the ultimate Jekyll and Hyde team. And, you know, like, we'll see if they can do it a couple more times. But I just keep saying it. that It just feels to me destined for this to be a five-point game with five minutes to go in game seven here in Boston with the Celtics mm-hmm. leading. And are they going to hold on or is Jimmy Butler going to steal it at the end? It just and the feels like that's how their season has to And the Heat have been the much better team in close games. And the last two games haven't been close. Uh, and, you know, Tatum said after the game, by the way, Tatum had 12 points in the first, what, six minutes, something like that. Yep. Six, eight minutes. And then if it turned into kind of a facilitator, I think he ended up with 11 assists. He First time he had double digit assists in the entire playoffs. That's I did. I didn't know that number. Um, he had 11 assists and only scored nine points the rest of the way, you know? Um, but he was saying after the game that, you know, not something that if you watch the Celtics, you wouldn't have already identified, but you know, they have a tendency to relax when they are, how did he phrase it? Uh, bond temps. I want to get the, essentially he said, when we have a chance to relax and where we have an, you know, when we have an opportunity to close something out, we relax and, sort of put ourselves in a box and then we have to dig our way back or get a hole. And then we have to dig our way back out of it again. Uh, Candace Buckner, Mocock for the Washington Post essentially asked him, you guys always are in these chaotic situations, then you thrive in them. What is the case? He's like, I wish I didn't know the answer. And then he was like, you know, we just tend to put ourselves in these situations over and over again. And we have to come together as a group and dig our way out. And that, that is the crazy thing about the Celtic team. Like they have been through an insane amount of stuff the past, few years i mean they, they went to the conference finals in the bubble then they get blown you know they have a rough year they end up losing get swept out of the power losing five games in the first round danny Ainge leaves brad stevens leaves his coach they bring an email they had last year they were a two totally different teams under 500 half, more than halfway through the season then they win basically every game for six weeks absolutely obliterate teams then have the crazy playoff run then he may Get suspended right before the season starts. They bring in Joe. Like it's just been a crazy couple of years for this group all the way around. They've been through a ton of stuff, and it, it, they do really seem to thrive in like the most adverse of situations. And as a couple of the guy, you know, Jalen Brown and Jay Stable basically said the same thing. We got down 3-0 and literally couldn't be worse getting routed in game three. So mm-hmm. we knew it had to go up from there. And now they're really feeling confident about themselves. So going to be a fun weekend. I mean, we'll, we'll oh, see how okay. Gabe Vincent's ankle is too. They, 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 you say they thrive in the most adverse of situations. Down 2-0, having lost two games at home, going into game three was a pretty damn adverse situation. Fair. Um, I'm not and, saying and they always do. They got, give them they got credit. blown out at the end of the – they lost at the end. They, you know, they fell apart at the end of the Warriors series too. It's obviously not a perfect thing. But again, like Brian has mentioned this a bunch of times, to win four straight road elimination games is a, oh, a yeah. wild thing to do. Like they, they're just a completely confounding team. Yeah, four the, in, the quote in, from in Tatum: a, uh, "You can see the true character of a team when things aren't going well. We've got a room full of determined, tough guys. They've shown that since it's been three zero, but they damn sure did not show that in Game Three. 
No. No, it's absolutely 100% true. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. Uh, so, all right. Uh, there has been, there is some other business going on in the rest of the NBA. Before before we do that, though, we do have trivia. We got to get oh, in trivia. Trivia. Ooh, ooh. trivia. Trivia is brought to you by YouTube TV. Try it free today at youtube.com slash NBA 23. New users only. Terms apply. Cancel any time. Bon temps, you're up. And now to present today's trivia question, the whiz of the quiz, Tim Bontemps. So I talked to Brian about this earlier since he would have just said, I don't know the answer anyway, because this is always becomes the McMahon show. So McMahon, the Boston Celtics are now the third team that was either the, the it's a little wonky, but they're the third team that had the better record in the regular season that was down 3-0 to force a game six, third team ever. One was the, the 19... higher seed falling down 3 well, the the 0. The reason it's not the higher seed is because one of those Stats division Williams, winners back in the day. Uh, okay. Well, yes. Stats Williams came up, found uh, that the Washington Capitals, the basketball version in 1947, uh, were down 3 0 to the Chicago Stags and then lost in six games. There was one other team that was down 3 0 as the higher seed, got to a game six before losing. Who was it? I mean, the degree of difficulty here is really. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. In, I'm going to be in, honest with you. In, I, I agree with you. I didn't think it was the greatest in, question. It's in. It's in recent. It's in recent memory. It involves uh, the Celtics. The I'm Miami Heat. I have no idea. I'm just guessing. The, no, it's, but, it's not. It's not the Miami Heat. Okay. It was, I mean, I. I it's a mix between the elephant and the rhino. Elephant. I have no idea. <laughs> I thought you would. I thought you might remember the series because it wasn't that long ago. So in 2010, the Orlando Magic with Dwight Howard were playing the Boston Celtics. Why the KG Pierce team? Pierce is in the building tonight. Game five. Very excited. Courtside. Went wearing down three. Wearing his shades. Told told us. Told me Nick and Brian as we walked by him before the game. He'd be back for game seven. We'll see if. We'll see if there is a game. He was seven. he was he was guaranteeing two wins today. He was he was he was being Paul Pierce. But they came back and uh, got to Game Six here at the Garden, and then then the Celtics closed them out. It was actually the first playoff game I ever attended because I was here for a wedding. Bought a ticket, sat in the very last row, watched the game. But I thought you might remember that one since you did well on the three uh, zero comebacks the other day. So there you go. I mean that that, that that's a tough one, really, especially after midnight. Like, come on, man. Put me hey. in a bad spot here. Well, all right, I'll give you. I'll, I'll, I'll give you. Run. I'm gonna. I'm gonna step in and give you one. Wow. Okay. The Celtics over the last two postseasons have won seven elimination games over the last two postseasons. It's okay. the second most over two years in NBA history. Who? What team over a two year span had the had more? Had eight. Hmm. I'm gonna take a. Take a drive down I-45 to Clutch City. Clutch City Rockets, baby. Ja- See, I had a better question there, Bob Temps. Jackpot, the 94 and 95 Houston Rockets won eight elimination games over two postseason. Never underestimate the heart of a champion. Can I tell you a <laughs> little secret? My, that was my Rudy T. I, I know a, you, uh, saw in the, you saw it in the chat. I took a stroll through the uh, stats yeah. and info select channel. You're yeah, you <laughs> not supposed to be working. You're not supposed to be working tonight. I had to, had to press. You should have said pod, that. You, I, I told you totally had it. You totally I know, had. I sold it. The, uh, I sold it. I'm an yeah, honest hey, it's man. all right. It's all right. It's all right. <laughs> I'm an honest fan. Uh, so I, 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 I rescind my. That, I rescind know. my trivia claim for being good. Bob Thompson. You can it's like sneaky hambo. It's like listen. It's like sneaky hambo and get up. If you get a few in a row right, you got to up the degree of difficulty a little bit. So I up the degree of difficulty a little. Listen, bit. man. Yeah, we would have been here all night on that one. <laughs> you didn't have your Chicago Stags media. Well, I wasn't. No, I, I wasn't going to ask him that one. I know. Obviously. I know. Hey, did you guys know that Dwight Howard's team came back from a three zero deficit in Taiwan this year? Oh, really? No, I'm just kidding. I don't know what they his did. Team, his team <laughs> did. I'm pretty sure his team actually missed the playoffs. And, and well, uh, no wonder he's trying to recruit every NBA player to join him over there. <laughs> Nobody wanted to play with Dwight when he was in the NBA, much less go to Taiwan. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. 
The NFL schedule drops this week, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit DirecTV.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Yeah, so we have some uh, some interesting things uh, happening elsewhere in the league. Um, these coaching searches are are uh, fascinating. There's all these jobs open, and it's like a huge, huge thing that's going on. This carousel that's that's, that's raging on, and you know, a bunch of guys are interviewing for a bunch of different jobs. Some of these teams are interviewing four, five, six guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Detroit Pistons have been like locked on a couple of different candidates for weeks now. They were maybe going to restart their coaching search if they had won the lottery. They had did the exact opposite. You know, Giannis doesn't have a coach. Booker and and Durant don't have coaches. And B doesn't have a coach like the decisions that are getting made right now are huge. And, you know, one of the things I think that is happening, one of the reasons why I think that teams are, you know, making these moves is that they're sort of forecasting that with the new rules that are coming into effect, it's going to be harder to assemble huge groups of talent and that there's going to be, more probably, I don't know for sure, but there is a, a feeling in the league that there's going to be more parity, like we saw this year already without the new rules. And so, if you have parity, parity, maybe you also have parity, coaching takes on an even more important role. And so, these teams are, are making moves and then trying to jostle position. And it is, uh, it is, these, these are really huge, big decisions that are going to affect the next short term here that are being made here, especially in Philadelphia, Milwaukee, and Phoenix. These three teams are looking at the same candidates, essentially Uh, Mm -hmm. doc rivers, a candidate in in Phoenix. I guess he's probably not on the list in, in uh, Philly, Um, (laughs) but it is probably not in, in Phoenix either. I would say that's probably true. So one of the, you know, and you know, one of the things to me here, Bontemps is ownership. Ownership is making a big deal here because in Milwaukee, we have a brand new ownership structure. Jimmy Haslam just bought into the team and Wes Edens, who was not the governor, took over as the governor and will serve a five-year term. So we handed off to Haslam then, but it's a new, it's a new situation there. We have a brand new ownership situation in Phoenix with Matt Ishbia. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maybe in three or four years, it'll be very clear what kind of owner he is. But right now, we're not 100% sure. Uh, uh, I think we've got a decent feeling on him. Yeah, he's very not 100% aggressive. sure. Very, very, very aggressive. Very, uh, I think he certainly enjoys making big splashes, as you could tell by the first thing he did uh, while that deal was being right. finalized and making the trade for KD. And then fired, cleared the firing for a coach that mm-hmm. was one of the most successful in team history. So the ownership aspect of this is interesting. And then you also, I think, have a fascinating situation happening in Toronto right now. And the reason it's fascinating is that in talking to folks who are, who have uh, sort of been in touch with the Raptors recently, let me phrase it that way. The Raptors don't seem to know which direction they're going to take, whether or not they're going to focus on re-signing Fred Van Vliet. Mm-hmm. extending Pascal Siakam, poten- potentially making other roster upgrades, or whether or not they're going to maybe look to send Fred Van Vliet in a sign and trade, maybe investigate moving other players, be it OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam. And I know 
what you're going to say is this is what you guys were talking about the trade deadline. When <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, yes. Yeah. Well, I think they're kind of back there and they've been and, in this holding pattern for a while, basically. Right. Right. But I think it's affecting, you know, they've interviewed a bunch of different coaches and it's not clear which way they're going to go. And they got to probably make a decision about whether or not they're going to keep these guys together. And that is going to influence the kind of coach you hire. You know, when the Utah mm-hmm. jazz, for example, decided they were retrofitting their team, they said goodbye to Quinn Snyder and hired Will Hardy. The Quinn said Raptors, goodbye to them, but yeah. But Quinn said goodbye to them because he knew it was coming, you know? So it's... I think there are some other factors, but okay. go on. You know what I'm saying. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying. So it's about time there's some decisions coming up here that are um, pretty wide ranging. And, and uh, there's, you know, fair amounts of rumors that are out there about which way teams are going to go. But... Uh, none of these teams have made a hire yet. And so there's a bit of a, of a freeze in the market right now as this all goes on um, as, the, as the NBA playoffs are still going on. Yeah, I mean, this goes back to the thing we've said over and over again, really, since the trade deadline, and, and especially since the start of the playoffs, that with the league as wide open as it is right now, it means there's going to be a lot of teams that are disappointed. When there's a lot of teams that are disappointed, it means a lot of changes happen. That's why we saw. Phoenix, Milwaukee, Philly all changed the coaches. Same with Toronto. You mentioned Toronto's roster situation. It's why there's so much uncertainty going into the summer. You know, you've got the Kyrie situation in Dallas. You've got the Harden situation in Philly. You've got the Fred situation in Toronto. Um, you know, what is Phoenix going to do with their roster? What's going to happen with Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez in Milwaukee? Um, what's going to happen with the Lakers guys? Like you go around the league and so many of these teams have massive decisions to make about what they're going to do. And as you said, with the added caveat of the new rules coming in in a year and it being sort of the last normal season to really try to make moves to improve your team, especially if you're going to be an expensive team, it just really portends for me to be a pretty frenetic offseason across the league. And we've seen that with the way this coach stuff has played out. And, you know, obviously it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. And now I think we can add Washington into the mix too with them hiring Michael Winger uh, to run their team today. There's at least the possibility of them going in a different direction. They've got Chris S. Porzingis and Kyle Kuzma are going to be free agents. And then they've obviously mm-hmm. got the, the, you know, the, the giant thing sitting there is does Bradley Beal, who by the way has a no trade clause, does he potentially get moved? So that's a new one that's been thrown in. The mix yeah. Too. I think Washington. So I think when, when Michael Winger gets to, and has a press conference or, he takes some questions from the media, whatever it is, that's going to be a question right up at the front. I, I would, you know, having known Michael for many years, uh, I would doubt he's going to show his hand, but uh, he obviously is potentially going to come in and make changes, as you said. And if all of a sudden there's a couple of teams that are looking to sell, it have dramatic effects across the league. We're going to watch Washington, and obviously Washington and um, Wes Sunsell is going to remain the coach, but we don't know what else is going to remain there because mm-hmm. one of the things that's happened there is that they've been stuck in the mud for years now. Just yeah, spinning. They're, Not, they're, they're overdue for a rebuild. I would agree. And, and, if, and if you've got a team that has been stuck t- trying to crawl up to ninth, do you want to – and you've got $200 million already in Bradley Beal, do you want to spend a bunch more money on the team that was in, you know, that finished 11th or 12th or wherever they finished this year? And my guess is when when Michael Winger interviewed, he had an idea what he wanted to do. Right. That's definitely a, another one to keep an eye on. So it's some, you know, transaction season is coming. Um, and then, you know, the other thing that is, when if you're asking me what people are talking about in the league right now, the lottery picks that could be available. Mm-hmm. There was an assumption that maybe Portland would be very interested in moving its pick based on the stuff that Dame Lillard and Joe Cronin, their GM set at the end of the regular season. Now that they've gotten to the top three, I'm not so sure it's going to be as available, but uh, Detroit has. has oh, well, if Portland's picks not available. Then Dame might be. There you go. Right. Um, I think they're going to, I think that they would make, they might try to, walk the line, which is to keep Dame and the pick and see if they can make it work. And to which I would offer them good luck. Stuff <laughs> I, I, I think said. Dame is, yes, I was going to say, I think Dame's made it pretty clear. He's not trying to walk that line, but after three, go on. After the lottery, Troy Weaver, the general manager of the Detroit Pistons uh, indicated that their pick 
at uh, five could be available. I wouldn't um, rule out four, by the way. The, the Rockets have made it very, 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 very clear that they want to contend for the playoffs this season. Um, they feel like there's a because, lot of young talent. But go because on. they don't benefit from being bad anymore because they owe a top four protected pick to OKC uh, in two of the next three years. And the the year that's they don't know the pick, it's a top 10 protected swap. So the unless they're really lucky, there's no more benefit in being bad. Tillman Fertitta has promised a three-year rebuild. The three years are over. You know, it's now, as they call it, phase two. And Tillman has made it clear he feels like there's a lot of young talent on the roster. He said there's four or five potential young all-stars on the roster. I would like some clarity on exactly who those players are. <laughs> That's like the Rob Palinka announcing the other day that he we're going to keep our young core. And I'm like, point of Ooh. order, who's in the young core? Uh, <laughs> Reeves, Rui. Okay. But anyways, I do think like just connecting dots, I think four could be available. Okay. Certainly so we 10. think three, three, four, five could be available in 10, which is your Dallas Mavericks there. McMahon. The Dallas Mavericks. And, and look, Real simple. Why do they tank? Because they're so stripped of assets. They needed the number 10 pick as an asset. Um, and we've talked a lot about the pressure on them and not even necessarily coming from Luca, but just understanding the way this league operates. You can't have another year like last year and have Luca only two years out on his deal. You don't want to, don't, don't dare Luca to, uh, to ask out. You don't want to be in that situation. So they, they are absolutely well, here's the other looking. thing that that's a factor. If they want to keep Kyrie Irving, now granted, they could just offer more money or or, or more years, and which is you know we're saying the same thing essentially. Right. They could just outbid. Right. But part of the way you might keep Kyrie is to make a deal around the draft that also you know helps Kyrie because what you know what do they what do they play? What, what was it they were. Six and nine. What was their record? Five and eleven with those two guys in the lineup together. I mean, it, they, you know, they couldn't stop anybody. And honestly, they scored points with those two guys. Like there was some my turn, your turn, oops type of stuff uh, down the stretch in close games, close losses. But they scored. I mean, Lucas said it himself late in the season, "We can't stop anybody." Like that's well, their look. Problem. I'm just saying, like, may, you know, I'm not saying that. I mean, they have pos- potential position with Kyrie, but you know, if you want to retain Kyrie, you may want to do something there too. It's not just Luca, you know. Right. It's it's not it, the, the Mavs don't have the luxury to be patient, and they need a big bounce back year. And again, you know, this team that went to the West Finals uh, last year now. Jalen Brunson had just a wee bit to do with that, but still. I was going to say. Um, just a wee bit. Jalen Brunson, one of the best bargains in the NBA. But they need a big bounce back year. And typically, number 10 overall picks aren't players that come in and make major impacts in terms of winning. So, look, this might be a situation where you look at you look back in a few years, you're like, geez, man, can you believe the Mavericks traded that pick? And it's, you know, they still didn't work. The whole thing blew up. They don't even have this young player developing. But that's that's the situation that they're in where they have to be aggressive to get much better immediately. Yeah, so um, between now and the start of free agency, we could see a lot going on. Plus, I'm going to say something else that's not being discussed and we'll discuss a lot is the amount of coaches – who are looking for contract extensions and the amount of players who are looking for contract extensions as a, as a free agent class, it's not mm-hmm. extraordinarily deep. Um, but as a bunch of guys who can sign extensions that potentially change the fact where you, what you're going to do with your team, pretty fascinating. I mean, right. I, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Anthony Davis, Giannis Antetokounmpo, all of these guys have extension situations. Jalen Brown, um, Jalen Brown, which, you know, might get resolved because he's got Supermax. I mean, I, I'm probably forgetting people, but, you know, like, that's the thing, like, because, uh, you know, in some cases you just play it out. But in some cases, if you don't extend the you may team may look at a trade and then the coaches like there's, you know, I'm not going to get into which coaches right now because I'm not looking for aggregation. But there's a number of, uh, of several coaches who 
you know, have are near the end of their contracts who would like to be taken care of. Well, I, I can think of one whose name crept into some of these other uh, searches, but it's still under contract. I do believe Mr. Liu has one year left on his contract. Hmm. Um, hmm. So. Well, and yes, it's not lost on these coaches. It's not lost on these coaches that coaches are getting fired at a faster rate than they ever have been too. So, you know, if you're a guy sitting there with one year left on your deal. You can get a new deal. You know, it's certainly. If, you, if you're going to get fired, have, have a few years left in your contract. No the other thing is coaches' no salaries are, are going to spike here just because there's some markets that are, you know, desperate to make hires. And so I think we could see a spike in coaches' salaries, which will increase, which will increase the pressure for guys who want extensions to get it done. So um, in general, we're just seeing a lot of pressure in a lot of situations around the league. And it's with the league again, let's go back to the same thing with the league being this wide open and they're, you know, at this a pretty unprecedented level of parity and different teams breaking through, you know, there's, uh, you know, I think with Denver making the finals, I, I want to say it's seven or eight uh, of the 10. There's obviously every year there's two teams that make the finals. I think there's been eight of those 10. I think eight of them have been different teams. There's been basically different teams making it every year. Miami or Boston have made it a couple times. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, I'm trying to think one other team. Oh, and Golden State made it a couple times. But otherwise, yeah. everybody's made it once. Toronto, uh, Milwaukee, Phoenix, um, Boston or Miami, the Lakers. So you're, you're just – we don't usually see that in the NBA. We're coming off a stretch where the Warriors have made it five years in a row. The Cavs have made it four years in a row. The Heat have made it four years in a row before that. You know, essentially, obviously, LeBron made it eight years in a row. All this, all this turmoil and teams going up and down, it's just a wild offseason. We even mentioned with all that what's going to happen in Golden State with Bob Myers and with Draymond Green yeah. and Clay Thompson's another guy who is extension eligible. I mean, there's just, guy. That's right. just a, there's a lot of stuff going on around the league. So here we go. That's what we're going to be talking about coming up soon. But we have to get this playoff series done first, which Bon Thompson and I are off to um, Miami tomorrow. All right. Thank Ooh, you, McMahon. Bon Thompson, Wendy, and Miami on Memorial Day weekend. Ooh-wee. And Fredell. And, 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 hey, and Wendy's, Wendy's already requested that same hotel room with all the liquor in it, baby. Nope. Nope. <laughs> not going back. Not going back. All right. Uh, thank you, McMahon. Thank you, Bontemps. Thank you to Jackson and Jello, our producer. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Adios, amigos. Thank you.